There she is. Hey. Hey, Catherine. Hello, Catherine. Hey. Catherine. Well, welcome to the Addiction Connection Podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I am Mark Shaw, and I'm joined with two guys that you may know, Jim Quigley and CJ McMurray. I want to make sure I say those names correctly. Good job, Mark. Good Got job. It. <laughs> getting better. It. You're getting better, better every day, Mark. Stuck <laughs> the landing. There we go. You know, I say Jim Quigley, CJ McMurray. And then we have a special guest. Catherine Inman is here with us. She's a gifted writer and has a book out called Counting Spoons that we want to talk about. I want to start with scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. Starting in verse four, and I don't know how many verses I'm going to read. I'm just going to read till I stop. But it says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus Verse seven, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so we're reading that because your son, Justin, which is our friend uh, at the Addiction Connection, your son, Justin, loves those verses because that describes him and even in this book, right, Catherine? Yeah, um, at the end of the book, uh, or towards the end, you know, it seems to me, it, this is my first book. So it, it was, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I have a great publisher, so she really provided guidance. But at the end, we had a, a picture that we wanted to include of Justin and his family. And I asked him, I said, can you just write a little something to, to go with that? And that's where he plugged in that scripture. And, and that page, um, even when you read that, it like it just grips my heart because it just is so meaningful to him. And it, it's actually the last thing in the book. And it's just so, so powerful. It's almost like a, a message to readers and, and call to action from Justin and his, his journey. So we'll always be special. Amen. Yeah. Well, and these guys know those verses to be special to them too, right, CJ? Amen. Amen. And I, I, I especially knew for the first 27 years of my life, I knew the front end of that Ephesians, being dead in my trespasses and sins. And, and, and then when God rescued me, uh, yeah, that one, I think every believer, especially, I mean, I think it should be special to every believer, but I, for some reason, I think it's especially as you know, special to those of us that were really down and out and just a train, especially when we struggled with, you know, entrenched in enslaving addiction issues. Uh, I mean, I just, it's amazing to think that God rescued us from that. And even Justin, I think about your son and the first time I met him at the summit. Uh, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but goodness, when he shared his testimony, I mean, I was just like, you could just tell that this was a guy that had been brought from the darkness into the light. And I was just excited. And that was early on. I think he had just graduated uh, uh, the mission house at that time. And I was just like, this guy is going to go on and do great things for the Lord. And not because there was anything. It's just because of what God had done in rescuing him. And 
And just mm-hmm. to see him now with his family and his wife and his kids. And I mean, I, you were right there. So you yeah. know this better than anyone. But, uh, and I mean, I, I'm excited to read the book that you mm-hmm. wrote because I think it get, you have a perspective that a lot of people need to hear. Mm-hmm. A lot of people need to hear that. We're looking forward to all reading the book, I think, me and CJ, and thank you for offering to, to uh, get us one. Um, but uh, I- am I right in understanding that the, the, what you were just saying, CJ, that, Catherine, this is going to be the perspective from a mother dealing with a, with a, with a, a son that struggled for many, many years, um, and just that whole uh, journey together uh, from your lens and his lens? Um, yeah, it... it uh... It is definitely the journey. Um, it's it's about addiction, but it's much more than that because I was not walking with Jesus um, for many years. I I actually I, I always say that Justin and I met at the cross because his brokenness was obvious. I mean, Justin was a criminal on the street, and you could look at him and see that he was broken and in need. Um, and and my side of that is is very different. I mean, I looked thin. Um, for sure, uh, and people could probably sense my um, just energy. There was a lot going on for me, but I was shattered inside. I, but you couldn't tell. I showed up. I went to work. I did all the things, um, but I was just a, just as broken. So this is really a book about our our journeys separate, but also together, and how God didn't just rescue my son, but He rescued me first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think what's what the feedback, it's been out since um, uh, the beginning of February. And I, I've talked with lots of people and the feedback I'm getting is that what makes, I think our story um, special and how God put it on our heart to write it was that it's mine and Justin's perspective. So it actually goes there's a, like, I will narrate a chapter about something that occurred or a season in this life that we were living. And then he narrates the same thing. So it really goes back and forth um, throughout the whole book. And um, obviously, or maybe it's not obvious, but God was healing us through this writing. I thought that we had worked through everything and you know, honestly, when he goes through something like that, you don't really want to go back um, and relive or eat. I didn't even want to process anything. I just wanted to, it, it, it was like the rescue was so intense and everything shifted so quickly that I just didn't want to go back. But it's important that you do. I, I think um, God really used that time for Justin and I and my older son, Dylan, he's got a chapter in there too, to talk about our different perspectives. And man, you guys, I I thought I knew his journey. He thought he knew mine. We really did not have a clue what it felt like for each of us. So it was, there's a lot of tears. There was a lot of, uh, I know I would send Justin chapters and he would call me and he'd just be in tears and say like, mom, I'm so sorry. Mm. I didn't know you couldn't sleep at night. I didn't realize like how it was affecting you. And mm. and I would I would say to him, I didn't know you overdosed on the street. Like he would wake up to a different day and I, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it gets me emotional just talking about it, but like God really used that. And, and what's happening now is some readers are, 
are finding healing from it. Mm. It's helping people see both perspectives. Amen. So uh, I talked to a mom who has a son in prison and like she read it and, and it helped her just understand what he was going through. Mm. So God's just so good. Yeah. What I like about it is that like in the very beginning, Justin tells his story and then you tell your story side by side. So you can kind of see both things happening, you know, and it's, it's just incredible. And so I can see like what you just said, that that's healing. He's going, mom, I didn't know this. And you're, you're like, I didn't know that about you. And what a great way to write this story to kind of show both paths that are going on and then how God crisscrosses those paths. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, well, I think it, it gives us a glimpse into what uh, John Piper calls purposeful sovereignty, like God's sweet providence of how he was working. And so when you read like different perspectives, like God <coughs> sees this whole thing, he sees everything all at the same time, but we often only see a little bit. Mm. So when you when you see, I'm excited. To, I mean, I'm super stoked. I need this book right now. Yeah. Uh, because I I just want to read it because I think you're gonna see some things like that that you just normally don't think about because you always just get kind of one side of the story where yeah. you're seeing both of these things play out at the same time yeah. and I think that will that'll be I'm, I'm excited to read it yeah. you, I don't think you, enough I, books are written that way we focus a lot on the Justins the addicted the people that can you know. But one area we really want to grow in, in fact, in the early days, I put board members on who were the Catherines, the, the family members, you know, the, the moms or the dads or the spouses or the kids, but the family members are impacted by this as well, because I really want us to start doing more in that area and reaching out to family members. Absolutely. I, um, it's interesting because one of the things, just a side note, um, at the, the TAC summit that, that Justin has gone to and where he met you guys, um, Brenda Payne uh, is someone that he met and Justin connected us and she connected to me to Rick Steele, who ended up being the editor for me, my first professional editor. So it just, it's, I love how God just connects people. But yes. after he had edited it, he had said to me, you know, I really want to hear from your older son, Dylan. Um, could you add another chapter, you know, pray about it. And so I did. And so we used the same process. I, I called Dylan and interviewed him and I wept. I, the, his perspective and how he viewed his brother, because they're close. I mean, they're just three years apart, very much alike. And he was, Dylan was away playing um, baseball in college. So he'd come home and catch glimpses of it. He was gone for most of it, but like it, you know, the way Dylan responded was like completely opposite of how I did. And he showed his brother so much grace and um, he was just so level-headed. And so that ended up being a chapter we did, I did include it. And it's a lot of people comment on it because, and, and recognize it because some brothers and sisters of addicts have read the book. So my answer to that is absolutely. I mean, the families, 
And I, you know, in my, in my work, my career, I, I was an operations director for over 30 years. So I had a big job. It was a nonprofit and we provide, it was secular, but we provided substance abuse classes. Uh, we had resources, we had um, shelter service. So I logically was probably more equipped than most to navigate through addiction. I grew up around addiction. It was in my family. So I, I feel like I, I am not naive. I understand a lot that goes with that. I lived it. And even though I had the knowledge and I had the experience and I knew the resources, I used none of them because when it hit my baby, mm. all that, all that went out the door. I was not able to, I just, and I didn't know Christ. So I just carried it and I kept it inside and you guys, it almost killed me. And I would show up to places and I would smile and, but I was shattered inside. So addiction will take loved ones down with them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I don't think we can ever make assumptions of who's equipped to deal with something like this because I, I, I wasn't, and it wasn't, you know, God used it to break me and, and help me to recognize my need for a savior. And man, he has changed my life completely. How I love people how I see the world, um, can the compassion I have, all those things completely changed. So, uh, you know, so that's a long answer to absolutely. The families are, you know, just to make it welcoming and easy to access resources because it's a hard, I couldn't do it. I mean, it took me a long time to talk to anybody about it. Mm. And I, I, like I said, I, I am a good communicator. I have dealt with things all my life, but this one, this one, I just wasn't equipped. Um, I'm really excited because um, uh, now hearing that you were in, uh, you worked in the industry in a, in a secular sense, it's still the same, I'm sure. But um, the pressure in working in the industry is that they want to hear success all the time. They want to know how do we successfully do this? And, it sounds like your story, uh, you you and Justin Sir, is is more. It's talking about the kind of a journey this thing is. You know, um, you know, we are such a culture that hey, give me thirty days, give me sixty days, give me ninety days, or even give me a year. The program we work with, and then at the end of that, then it's uh, then you know we have success. But success is really defined so differently when you really look at it through a a, a discipleship lens, a gospel lens. You know. You know, little victories today that move me closer to Christ lead to to more and more closeness to Christ, and you know, all those little things are part of it. Part of ultimately what we can define as believers being success. You know, if it what took if it's what took to bring them humility, bring people to their knees, like you said, um, in your inability, you were you were brought to Christ. I mean, we need more stories so people stop getting all caught up in like you know, here's my loved one make them better for me in this amount of time frame. I love that. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, we did all those things. It was outpatient and then it was a 30 day inpatient and Justin got really good at rehabs. I, I would get calls. I mean, they said he was very, very difficult. Um, but he also would graduate. Um, I think freedom farms was the only one where they're like, yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> It wasn't working out, but I'll have to find out what that story is one day. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, it was, 
Yeah. I'm sure he would tell you. I'm sure yeah. he would tell. He would confess all of it. Yeah. I was like, I just wanted to get him on a plane, get him out of here, please fix this kid. Like I just, I was, I was one of those. And one of the things they kept saying to me from the beginning was, rehab is an expected part of the process. I mean, not rehab, relapse. And I, I just, I, I couldn't accept that. And and honestly looking back now I understand it it's like Justin would go to rehab and he would be in a control environment that enabled him to get clean and then he would graduate and then he would come home but he he was still missing and 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 he was not whole he was he had that hole that only Christ could fill so then he'd go back to drugs so rehab would get him back where he was before drugs but he'd turn to them again it was like I almost wanted him to just always be in a program. I wanted my son to have a good life, but I was like, he can't handle the outside world because he, he does good in there and then he goes right back. So it wasn't until the mission house that I remember him telling the story. They didn't talk to him about addiction. And he said, it was like two weeks in, he was like, hey man, what's up to his counselor? You guys have not talked about addiction. And Justin tells this story, great. I, he didn't even tell me this till like a year ago, and it's so powerful. Um, but the gentleman said something like, um, you know, Justin, you've got to stay off drugs. I mean, you're going to die. You have to be clean. That is a no-brainer. It is necessary. But God has a purpose for you. There is a calling on your life. And we've got to get to the source of that so you can understand who Christ is and serve him. And that was when everything changed for Justin. He was like, it was the first time he's like, okay, I can get behind that. Cause he felt like an absolute loser. Like I, I can't, I just keep going back to drugs. There's, you know, everybody's disappointed in me. I've ruined everything, but this person just gave him that nugget of light in Christ and it was still a long road because he had to learn about pride and humility. Lord have mercy. Um, but that was the, that was what was different. And that sort of opened his mind. And this is, this was before I even knew your name, Mark, but um, Justin had um, asked me to order this and it's, it just, it all made sense um, that that was why his journey was different. He had a need for a savior. I mean, drug, he needed to get off drugs for sure, but he needed Christ. I offered that book one time to, when I was pastoring a church, I was a senior pastor and I'd written it. And one of my members said, uh, my son needs a book, you know, about addiction and do you have anything? And so I gave him the book and he, he read through it the next week. He goes, I don't think this is the best book for him. He, it, I don't want to push him further away from God. And I said, well, if he's an unbeliever, you can't push him further away from God. He's as far from God right now as he can be, as he ever will be. I mean, you know, and, and humanly speaking, you know, we, we don't push people away or draw them to God. We share the good news and God draws them to himself. I mean, we lift up Jesus, but um, I'm, I'm thankful that you saw that because not everybody sees that Christ is the answer to the problem of addiction. Jim has taught me that, haven't you, Jim? I taught you everything you know, Mark. <laughs> everything I know. It's right there. Jim Quigley. <laughs> oh, that's not helping his pride, right? 
We were just talking no, about pride no. and humility, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Justin at the summit, the first time that he came to the summit, we went to the Creation Museum and walked around outside. I think it was in December. So there were Christmas lights. It's really pretty. The Creation Museum does a great job with that. It was freezing cold and we were walking around. He told me the story about how he met his wife and how, um, I guess, Amanda knew about me or son, or I forget. I, I don't know that story. I can't even recall the story. But I remember when Justin told it to me, I was like, oh, man, wow. You know, you, you just never know how God uses you. And so I was thrilled with that. She seems like a really nice uh, young lady. I don't know. I've met her maybe one, once or twice, but uh, she seems like a great match for him. What do you think about the pairing of Justin and Amanda? I think it's pretty good. It's my guess. I mean, Amanda blesses many people, but I felt like God was like, okay, Justin, here she is. And you're welcome, Catherine, because she's... <laughs> I mean, she's, I, I mean, I love my family. I love my children. I was not prepared for the love um, that I had for them. I, and then these grandbabies, I, mm. oh my gracious. Just, and um, yeah, Amanda is an angel. There's a whole story of how we met. And I, you know, when he met her, I think from the time they met to got married, it was like maybe three months or something. I was like, oh, here he goes again. You know, everything is just so fast and furious. But I remember me talking. He called me one day to ask for some guidance on proposing. And I said, honey, are you, this is going so fast. Are you sure? And he, and he told me, he walked me through it and he said, mom, God gave me conviction. This is who I've been praying for. And, and that, at that moment, those comments from me stopped, stopped. And I just kept praising God and, um, they, their, their relationship, their marriage is based on the foundation of Christ. So, and they're raising their children. Unlike I did, I mean, I was a good mom and I did my best, but I did not raise my voice on the foundation of Christ. And I, there's no regrets. He, his timing is perfect, but to see my grandchildren uh, raised on that foundation, little Everly Grace, who just turned four, and she prays when we when they come visit, and she'll pray for us over our food and over, I mean, that Christ shines so brightly through that child, and yeah, so I am, Amanda is, is an angel. I absolutely adore her, so. Uh, Justin is a sweetie. Of course, I know him, this side of the addiction stuff. And reading some of the book, just he was he was determined. He was willful. Was he that way as a child? Yeah, I mean, he was always. It's interesting as I look back because the boys, you know, um, you raise your children the same, and uh, you know they have a lot of the same interests. And uh, but Justin, from a very young age, um, it like life is a party. What's next? Always like seeking something seeking attention um wanting to do things that were very risky you know when he got into school it was you know all about the girls all about sports like he would um just kind of live recklessly he had a temper he was very uh prideful um he, he was one of those kids where you either loved him or you did not like him and his his teachers were the it was his friends and his teachers and he sort of fed off both of those things. I mean, he just, 
he was very like bigger than life, but his heart was so tender. He was such a mama's boy. I hope he doesn't listen to this, but actually he'll, he'll admit it all the time. I mean, him and I were so close and he, he would do the sweetest things and he would go visit his grandma. So there was this very loving, tender, pure side of him. Um, but everything seemed extreme. So there was definitely, um, and we went through a divorce, my divorce from his father, um, all respect to him, but it was not good. And I know the boys felt caught in the middle. So all of those things as young men trying to deal with and, you know, living primarily, you know, I was a single mom and that was our primary residence. They spend most of their time with me. So there was just a lot going on. And he it's interesting because even through all the programs, even in the mission house, like a month or two or three months before he graduated, he had been off drugs for a while, but he was still prideful. And it wasn't until maybe two months before graduation that he he actually really surrendered and God completely changed his heart. Um, and it's it's interesting because Amanda will say things to me sometimes like, He's so soft-spoken and I wish he would, you know, speak up about things sometimes. And I'm like, oh, honey, <laughs> I mean, this is a kid that he was in fights from the time he was eight years old. I mean, he just come out swinging. I, I, I don't know where that came from, but he was very, like, as kind as he was, he was also aggressive. And uh, I mean, our house, you guys, you could pull up to it and you could just feel the testosterone beating, pulsing through the windows. I mean, I had my hands full with these kids. And and Justin is, I mean, I'm his mom. I adore him. He's one of my favorite people. I, I go to him for wisdom. He prays with me before, he prayed with me before this. Every time something's coming up, we pray together. Um, he is such a gentle, loving person. And his wife and kids will never know that that other side of him, even even the even before drugs, the, the very prideful. I mean, God, people that went to high school with Justin, when they see him now, if they don't believe in God, um, I know it's got to stir their hearts because only God could change someone like that. Amen. Amen. So, the thing that I noticed about Justin right away, too, is he reminded me a lot of my younger brother, John. They're, they're very similar in some ways. They actually kind of connected too at that, at that yeah. summit and they kind of gelled. And I get even more of a glimpse when you talk about some of the things you talk about now yeah. of just the past, John and him definitely have a lot of the similar. Yeah. I used to say, even when he was a toddler, if, and I didn't even know the Lord, but I was like, if, if this child uses his powers for good, it's going to be fine. If he doesn't, then we're in for <laughs> Amen. Amen. Go ahead, Mark. Well, I was going to say, tell us about the title of the book, Counting Spoons. Um, it's interesting. I, I, my husband um, uh, is a marketing and sales director. It sells pistachios. And we had a, a dinner with one of his customers who is from Rome. And he ordered the book at dinner. It's really nice. And he, and he's, he read the title and he said, oh, that's chilling. That's a chilling title. Um, and a lot of people don't really understand what the title means. Um, but when I first wrote, I, I had, there was a prayer. I had a prayer warrior that was like two offices down from me. And she was the one person that I sort of confided in. 
And she gave me a prayer and it was like to pray for Justin's safety that he would be um, freed from bondage and delivered. And I wrote it down and I put it under my keyboard, didn't know what it meant, you guys. I had no idea, but I was so desperate. I would recite that like dozens of times a day. So when I wrote the book, I I was going to call it Delivered. I mean, that was like a no-brainer for me. When I finally um, got a book contract, the publisher said, you know, we're going to have to talk about that name because there's so many called that. And I like didn't like that because it was special to me. So I Googled it and oh my gosh, there were so many books called Delivered. So um, I talked to Justin and, you know, talked to a lot of our we have, we have a blended family. There's five adult kids between them. They're all talented. So I'm asking people, you know, Oliver, talk to him and Alex. Think it helped me think of a good name because I had to feel it. It really needed to be special. And there was a day that I was, um, I went out for a run and I came back and I was unloading the dishwasher. And it, it just hit me. Like that first year um, in Justin's addiction when I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and the whole, the whole thing with the spoons, I won't, I won't say exactly what that means, but I called Justin. I said, I think I have the title son. And so I told him and it was, it was quiet, took a deep breath. He's like, man, that's super intense. And I called Oliver too. Like we've prayed about it for a while because this, this book is not about drugs um, as much as it is about uh, Christ, but also so important that we had to show the, the pure ugliness of it so then you can understand like when hope comes it's like that darkness we that was one of the things that was really important to Justin me too but him in particular he's like we have got to show how ugly it gets so you can see you know how Christ changed our life so counting spoons um was the winner. It's got a lot of attention. I, I would say like 50% of the people know what it means. And the other 50 are like, one person thought it was a, uh, before they read the subtitle, they thought it was like a cookbook. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you haven't been around drugs and understand about paraphernalia and those kinds of things, you, you may not understand, but by chapter three, people will know what it means. And you have, uh, I mean, the book's available on amazon.com and I'm sure in other places, but you also have a blog uh, because you're, you're just a gifted writer on your webpage, katherineinman.com slash blog. You have an about page and really like your website. It's just so succinct and uh, clear. And then you even take prayer requests so people can submit a prayer request to you. Uh, tell us about the importance of prayer in your life and, and why you have that feature on your website. Uh, I get this lump in my throat. I, you know, I would have said, I always believed in God. Just, I, I would have said that I didn't know who Christ was. Um, I really just had no sense of it. So I would, I would pray at night and my, you know, pray for some things. Um, but I, I had no idea. Uh, but when I finally surrendered to Christ and uh, he rescued me, it became just my life source. And I can look back on things I prayed for and uh, 
it's interesting because even in, I mean, in this broken world we live in, I try to use my platform. I mean, my sole purpose is to glorify the Lord. I want people to understand what is available to them and who he is and how he changed everything for us. And so I am always one to say, can I pray for you? I, I don't want there to be any barriers between me and someone that, that I could pray for. I'm honored to. I think it's the, the, the most wonderful thing you can do for someone. But I there's a, a chapter in the book where I have come to find the Lord and I'm trying to get Justin on an airplane to go to the mission house. And he's off the street, fresh out of detox, and he has nothing. He has no driver's license. He has no idea, nothing. And it was one of those things where the bed's open, you got to get there in 24 hours. And I, I stayed up all night and I found like an old wash up library card. I got his yearbook. I looked like I was completely just out of my mind when I showed up to the airport, but I felt like he had to get on that plane. Um, and I remember calling someone who was a godly man that was helping us and praying for us. And he was like, Catherine, it's time for you. You've done everything you can. You spend the rest of your time on your knees in prayer. And I, I, I took that advice somewhat, but I still stayed up all night looking for things. Um, but God is with us. He is for us. And I start my day every morning declaring Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if I don't do that because I get involved in the worldly things and I'm worried like my whole my whole day is different. So the power of prayer is the closest it's it's the strongest closest connection to our Lord. I I can't count the number of times I pray during the day. So it's everything. I don't have a good solid answer for that, but my heart is just I yeah, I mean, I'm nothing without Christ. Mm. We're all in the same boat, Catherine. Yeah. Jim, you have lots of family members that you interact with, whether you're admitting a new guy into the program. What are some of your policies there at Freedom Farm uh, and Carrie's Home uh, for, like, when you talk to family members, what are some things that uh, you're aware of that maybe our listeners aren't, you know? We just did a podcast with Ryan Harrington um, last week and uh, Ryan had done the gamut of rehabs. You know, I think he had been at pretty much all the ones that are represented in tech. And, you know, Justin has obviously been at a bunch of them. And, um, and, you know, I, I told, I said in our last podcast, I, we affectionately call them repeat offenders when they come back, you know, people, I've had guys come back here many times, dear gentleman that's had his grandson in here four times, just two days ago. And he had, this is like the third call he's made with me in like three weeks. And he's like telling me about the problem uh, that's going on with them. And he's like, you know, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. And what do you think? And I, He's not asking me if he can come back to Freedom Farm. He just keeps asking me about these plans he's making with them. And and I and and, and like after about 20 minutes to talk to him, I said, Hey, his name is Coy. I said, Coy, you know, you know, there's always an option to come back here if he needs to. And there was like silence on the phone. And he said, I just didn't think he'd ever take him back. He said he's been there four times. And I said, Well, why why wouldn't I why wouldn't I you know, give an opportunity again for the Lord to go to work in his life. I said, I'm happy to do that. 
And um, it was it was interesting. I like I didn't realize that that's all he wanted was me to for to tell him. You know, he could come back here. And um, when I talk to a lot of family members, and Catherine is and would be an expert at this now, being from somebody that was operations in secular to now Christ-centered, there's just this stigma and there's this like just known, like we know, we all know what addicts are and what their problems are and what the solutions are. And my son or daughter does not fit any of those paradigms of solution or possibility of hope or success. And so when they're talking to you, they're always kind of like, uh, I get this all the time. I always like, well, they have a drug problem, but we're pretty sure they also have uh, some kind of mental disorder, or we're pretty sure they need to see a psychiatrist too, to be on this medication. So they're trying to like speak to you in such a way that they don't want to tell you that like, I have zero hope because they don't fit any of these paradigms, but can you please help them? Cause I love them to death. And that's a very difficult thing because me being a biblically minded guy, you know, I'm having to hear that and then speak into it in a, in a way of hope, like Catherine's saying, I mean, and Justin is is living proof of Ryan is I am CJ is there is hope, there is hope. Just like the 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 Ephesians passions, he can make dead people alive, and we see it happen. And that's what needs to happen. There's a stigma that that's not the answer. They've got this special disease problem, and 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 the professionals with the letters behind their names, they have it. They have it figured out. What they don't know, and Catherine, in this right, they don't have any of it figured out. They just they know how to talk really well, and they get lots of funding. Again, I, and I don't want to be uncharitable towards that world. They 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 are not trying to harm people. They're not motivated by harming people. They really are trying to address the issue, but they're doing it in such a foolish way. If you understand uh, people through a biblical lens, you know their their way will never produce any hope. That's why there's such hopelessness there. You know, this is what I try to tell you all the time. The influence of the secular world on addiction and the hope, they have sucked all hope out of, out of people being able to be transformed from death to life and addiction. Um, that's why, again, we've talked about other po- podcasts. That's why all the funding is going to just harm reduction. Like, let's just try to make less people die. I mean, that's really all they're doing now. And it's really, it's really sad. And you hear it in the, you hear it in the voices of the loved ones. And I'm sure Catherine probably struggled with it herself. Um, You know, is there ever going to be anything that is going to break this from my son, you know? And uh, it's a very difficult conversation to have with parents a lot of times. If you, uh, is there time for me to ask Jim something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder, I wonder for you. Uh, if you come across, like for me, um, I believed in God. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't understand full surrender, any of those things. But I really felt like I could handle it all. Mm. I thought I could control it. I thought I could control my kid. I was really good. I had, you know, I mean, I didn't find the Lord until my 50s. So I, it had worked for me for most of my life. I'd been through a lot of things and you know, I was a successful businesswoman and I, I, there wasn't much I couldn't figure out, Mm. but this one, and I, I have talked with mostly moms 
um, since the book came out and, and that prayer line, we've connected with some people and I hear their, I hear myself in them as they're like, well, I'm going to do this and this. And, and it's so clear to me. So I'm wondering if you ever hear this and, and the way I've responded is like what I had to learn. I am not that powerful. I, I, my decisions for Justin, and if I showed up to a place or didn't show up, or if I kicked him out a lot, I mean, all those things, it's important to, to be intentional and strategic and have boundaries, but my actions are not going to save my son. I, I, I don't have that kind of power. And there's been, I hear the relief from these moms because they've they know I've been through it. And it's like, you know, you can show up for his intervention or not show up. It's yeah. not going to, it's not going to make your, your choices are not going to have it. And there sounds like there's so much relief in that. But I, I think back to the counselors I talked to and I marched in there, like, you know, what do you, what's the plan here? How do things work? And I just, I, I mean, God humbled me and I recognize, you know, just how, how, how powerless we are over this. And honestly, you, you have to look at your family. You have to take care of yourself. You have to not let this darkness take you down and love your kid through it, but you can't save them from it. So yeah. I just wonder if you get that from people too, where it's this whole, so caught up in the chaos of what to do. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And you bring up a great point where, you know, humanly speaking, I can feel so ill-equipped almost, not always, but almost Every individual that comes to Freedom Farm, and I'm sure that go to all these programs, parents need a program almost as bad as as the child um, or the, the the young adult. Um, we involve them when we discipline uh, their loved one. Here, we just call them up and we just say, "Hey, we look. We just need to let you know that we because we just don't want them to like get that call like they've been kicked out. You know, right. we, they want it, We want them to know that we've been dealing with them about things and we have a process that eventually we have to say, I'm sorry, but you know, they're just not, they're, they're, they're not humble enough to, but, but, um, but yeah, the uh, families, I get often just like, it's funny what you said, like walking in, what's the plan? Are you going to, they start like, are you going to do this? Because someone told me this was going to work and, you know, are you going to incorporate this? And I mean, I've been asked all those questions. I do rest in the fact that I, that, that I, that I constantly do get to gently tell them like, ma'am or sir, like, I'm going to keep your, your loved ones safe. They're in a safe environment and I'm going to point them to the chain, the guy that can change their life. And it's not me. It's not me. And it's not you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to, I'm going to be pointing them to them and I'm going to be walking along with them, but you got to understand that too. And, you know, that usually is pretty disarming with a lot of people. Some people buck it, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, it is, it, it is relieving. I've heard, I've heard many, many moms and dads, like a sigh of relief saying, you know, that's right. And they just need to be reminded, you know, who changed your heart? If they're a believer, I, I just remind them on the phone. They're like, well, the Lord did. And I'm like, well, the same thing needs to happen to your son. Yeah. So, that, that's a freeing truth, and yeah. um, family members need to know we're not powerful enough to change our kids' hearts. Um, we bring them up in the instruction, the admonition of the Lord. We teach them God's Word. We try to model righteousness before them, and uh, and then they have 
a relationship with God, uh, they have to cultivate and it has to be real to them. And um, I remember one time one of my kids came to me and said, would you pray for me, dad? And I said, no, you go in your room and you pray, you talk to God. Well, you know, then the kid came in, you know, after two minutes of, yeah, I know, horrible parenting, right? Two minutes later, a kid comes in, they pray their heart out, right? And I said, okay, let's pray. And, um, but I was trying to illustrate, like, I want you to talk to God. You don't have to go through dad, who was a pastor at the time, you know, uh, well, I guess I still am, but, you know, you don't have to go through me to get to God. Uh, there's only one mediator, and it's the man, the Christ Jesus. So um, now, CJ, I know you've got to run. Do you want to say anything before you click away and disappear? Away and disappear. I mean, the only thing I would say is, I mean, it's just encouraging to hear how Catherine and, I mean, this God, like, saved both of them through this, you know, yeah. what seemed to be a mess. For by grace... You have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God and not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I love that because that is exactly what you and him are and what we are. We're, we're his workmanship. And God like knew that he was going to save us when he saved us before we even had a clue and I mean, what a privilege we have just to walk in this new life, you know? So that's really all I got. Totally agree. That's awesome. CJ's our biblical scholar. He is. Wow. But I want to make sure that people know Counting Spoons, her debut book. Here, here's what it says on Amazon. Read about lies, crime, addiction, desperate love, and a miraculous rescue. I love it. It is. I love it. Yeah. Catherine, thanks for being on today. And uh, we'll have you on again and maybe have you and Justin on the next time. That would be really cool. I talked to him about that and he would, he would love to, that would be really, really neat. And by that time, all of us will have committed to read the book. Absolutely. Get the book, read the book. I have a busyness disease. Uh, It's not my fault. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. It's a disease of busyness. (laughs) Is it, is it habitual or compulsive? It's a disease. I don't know. I guess I got it from my parents. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> rebuke. Let's rebuke this dude right now. Yeah. Yeah. I was just seeing time. if you guys are listening. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture real quick. Can I do that? Yeah. Maybe I will, too. I haven't really done that. CJ, you can go ahead and get off the screen. She's going to take a picture. <laughs> wow. wow. Hey, I feel the love. Do you have somewhere you have to be? <laughs> I do. I do. Taking one too. You're such a wise guy, Mark. I, I am. Expect, I expect it from Jim, but you. I know. I'm sneaky. Come on, man. Come on, Catherine, man. you're a delight. Thank you, Catherine, for being on. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, CJ. Uh, I'm honored to be able to talk with three gentlemen who are. Um, you know, building your life around helping people that are in the bondage of addiction, because it's, it's, I mean, as you know, it is at all time. I mean, I, I've known so many young, mostly young men that I've known that, that are dying. And so I just uh, spent wow. time in Tira this morning, but also just really feeling the push from the Lord that 
you know, we just got to keep talking to people and spreading the word. And I do yeah. think, um, I do think Urgent. our story can help people. So I just, I'm honored and it's a privilege to be able to just connect with you guys. So I just thank you so, so, so much. Well, and I've, I've read parts of the book, but I'm going to read the whole thing, but I, um, I think it's really going to be an encouragement and the more we do in, in tech, uh, more work we do with families, uh, the better. And your book's going to be, you know, frontline, uh, giving hope and encouragement to people. So thank well, you for thank writing you. it. I appreciate you guys so much. God bless you. Bye. 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 Bye.